It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. One Commanders player already looks like he's going to miss week two against the Denver Broncos, and we get a little bit of an update on defensive end Chase Young in our first practice reports of the week. That and more coming up on this episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Just go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. And from there, you can text me. I can text you about practices, press conferences, injury reports, in-game, after-game, all of that stuff. And we've got a lot of cool things uh, coming down the pipe that the network is working on and developing as we speak. Of course, I am your host of this program, David Harrison, on Twitter, at DHarrison82, credential member of the media, covering the Washington Commanders for CommanderCountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And I am here with you every Monday through Friday and sometimes some extra days, along with our everydayers. And as always, I appreciate your continued support for the show today's episode brought to you by jace medical empower yourself when you purchase a jace case providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections get yours today at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com on today's show we're going to talk about some trends that we saw in week one from the offense from the defense and i'm going to unveil a new sub segment right it's a segment within a segment uh, called Sam said what that's that's what I'm going to call it I don't know we'll, we'll play with it if you have a better name uh, for it by all means let me know but basically what we're going to do is we're going to take a quote from Sam Howell's press conference it happens every Wednesday uh, and we're going to kind of dissect it a little bit more sometimes it'll just be interesting sometimes it'll be super important as we get through the season it'll kind of take on uh, a life of its own usually I'm going to bring you the video version of the quote but today uh, things running a little bit late around here, so I wanted to go ahead and get the episode done. Did not want to take uh, additional time to cut the video, edit the video. It's a little bit of a process, uh, so I wanted to make sure I got the show out to you as quickly as possible because we're already running a little bit late. But we're going to start today's episode with practice reports. Wednesday's practice means initial injury reports for the Washington Commanders, so we got our initial practice report first of the week of week two. And, of course, the big name that everybody wants to hear about or some people are sick of hearing about is defensive end Chase Young. Uh, I see the comments, guys. I see the tweets. I see the text from my insiders. I know a lot of you are getting very frustrated with Chase Young's uh, availability or lack thereof. You've heard me say it every day a lot. The best ability is availability. I didn't make up that phrase. I didn't coin it, but uh, it couldn't be more accurate in any sport, any performance-based business. If you're not available to perform, you're not going to be able to shine in a performance-based business. So, of course, Everybody wants Chase Young back on the field uh, for whatever reason. It's it's keeping him off. They want that resolved as quickly as possible. On Wednesday, not practicing for the Washington Commanders, safety Quan Martin, uh, the second-round rookie, still in concussion protocol, didn't see him in the locker room, didn't see him on the field. That's pretty much how it goes when a player is in concussion protocol. So 
we'll continue to monitor that. But the fact that he's not even out there on the practice field uh, Wednesday, just the way the concussion protocols work, uh, I don't know every single little step, so I don't want to misguide you. But basically, in my experience, if you don't see a guy on the practice field Wednesday, especially Thursday, there's really not enough time to go through. They got to go through workouts and full practices, and then the next day have no symptoms and all these other things. And so if he's not even out there giving it a light run, let alone a full run, there's no chance that they can measure the symptoms. Uh, so, of course, we certainly hope that Quan Martin uh, gets healthy soon and we see him back out there uh, on the field. Limited in practice on Wednesday, defensive end Chase Young still with that neck injury, did return to contact. We'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a second. And wide receiver Curtis Samuel, it's not the groin, guys, but it is the hip. Uh, you know, still not don't like seeing Curtis Samuel on the practice report, but he was limited on Wednesday. So we'll continue to monitor that as we get deeper into uh, the week full go, but on the injury report, offensive guard Sam Cosme with a shoulder injury. But again, uh, he's a full go. So no uh, concerns there right now until, uh, you know, we'll see what happens on Thursday and again on Friday as well. Ron Rivera, of course, in his post practice press conference was asked about Chase Young and he really was not all that forthcoming. And for Ron Rivera, you know, if, if you've been paying attention to Coach Rivera since he's been here, you know one thing, he's pretty forthcoming usually when he can be. Uh, so when he's holding back a little bit, there's typically a reason for it. Don't want to read too much into it and speculate too much on what that reason is. But when he was asked initially about Chase Young, Ron Rivera said, quote, Chase was able to take the reps that he was supposed to take, and he did everything that the doctors prescribed for him to do as far as the contact was concerned, end quote. Uh, so, I mean, we've been told he's been cleared for contact, so we assume he took contact, but Ron Rivera not really saying he took contact or how much contact he took, just that he's doing what the doctors tell him to do. Uh, was asked a little bit more of a prying question, but responded, quote, we'll continue to go about what the doctor's plan is and we'll go from there, end quote. And that's the, pretty much uh, the, all that anybody tried to pry about Chase Young uh, from Coach Rivera. So not a lot of information there. Did see him on the practice field, but again, the part in regular season, the part the, the media gets to watch, we don't get to see any full contact. The most you might see is contact with pads or maybe sleds. We didn't really have much of that going on. Uh, Wednesday on the defensive side of the field. Uh, I did see Chase Young dancing for what that's worth, but uh, Chase Young dances a lot. So that's not really news. Um, but, you know, we'll continue to monitor, you know, and if you're frustrated, I totally get it. You know, you want you want to see uh, if, if he's if he's got what it takes. You want to see if he's going to be any better than the last time we saw him, you know, fully healthy and all these things. And it just seems like one thing after another. But, you know, the thing that we keep saying, we keep being told is, you know, nobody's more frustrated than Chase is. So, you know, putting on a happy face, uh, doesn't mean that he's not frustrated about the way that things are going. Uh, we'll continue to monitor all of that. Now for our new sub segment, Sam said what? That's that's what I'm calling it. Again, if you got a better idea, let me know. But basically, I asked Sam Howell on Wednesday during his press conference about player development, his specific player development. And what I asked him was if there were any parallels that he was feeling that he was experiencing from being a new starter at the NCAA level, ACC football level, and a new starter in the NFL. And here's what Sam told me. He said, quote, it's kind of a similar process. I feel like every single week I'll continue to improve. I think every single week that I have under my belt, I feel more comfortable and confident going into the next one. As the season goes on, I think I'll continue and try to improve every week. End quote. So a very kind of simple question, but basically, yes, there are some parallels to becoming a new starter in the ACC in college football, starting from the University of North Carolina and becoming a new starter in the National Football League. And we know he got the start against the Dallas Cowboys, but again, you're going into that week and the fate of a team is not on your shoulders. The fate of a season is not on your shoulders. It's one week and no matter what happens, you're all going home, you're all going on vacation, right? So it's a little bit of a different animal. Going back to UNC, 
I decided to look back at his first couple of games. Week one, 2019, Sam Howell, true freshman quarterback, made his first start for the University of North Carolina against South Carolina. In that game, he completed 62.5% of his passes. Week one of this season, first season as the starter of an NFL franchise, he completed just under 62% of his passes. Similar completion rates, right? Now, UNC, knowing they have a true freshman quarterback, knowing that they have some talented players, Javante Williams, who's now with the Denver Broncos, so he'll, they'll get to reunite uh, this weekend. Michael Carter, who's went to the NFL. De'Ami Brown, who's with the Washington Commanders, ended up going to the NFL. They basically leaned on Phil Longo in the North Carolina offense, leaned on a lot of playmakers, a lot of slant routes, a lot of quick routes behind or at the line of scrimmage, a lot of fades, easy reads, one read systems, uh, basically get the ball into your playmakers' hands and let them do the rest. In college football, you can kind of get away with that. In the National Football League, you can't get away with it. But what I will tell you is what I noticed was Sam Howell, as the player, did look a little bit passive, a little bit tentative. Now, some of that could have been a result of the play calling, and I know you know, if I'm the quarterback and I know my coach is only calling slants, line of scrimmage plays, or fades, you know, he's not really challenging me a whole lot and it's not really making my day all that complex. It's for my own good, probably, but you know, that can kind of get you into this kind of uh, of zone of, you know, I don't say complacency, but just looking a little bit less engaged, right? Turn on the second game, same season, 2019, second week, UNC versus Miami, Florida. Sam Howell's completion rate goes up to 66.7%, and they unleashed the offense a little bit. One of the very first passes he threw was a go route on the right sideline uh, against Miami's defense, and he put the ball in the exact perfect spot to his receiver right behind the cornerback, right in front of the safety. It was beautiful. Uh, first completion was was that one, and then he had more freedom to throw a lot of more routes. More progression was seen in that. I mean, as a true freshman second game, you saw more progression, and you saw what looked like a more confident quarterback. I asked De'Ami Brown about that. Was it more confidence in the second game than the first game, or was it a result of knowing that we were going to open up the offense a little bit? And De'Ami told me it wasn't the confidence that was the issue the first game. It was how expansive the offense was because – he told me that the confidence has always been there. De'Ami Brown told me on Wednesday, Sam has been the same dude since he met him at UNC, and he's the same dude today. And he kind of looked at me. He's like, you've met him. You know him. He's the same guy every day. And I've told you guys, every day or every month, or if you've been here for a while, what did I tell you all last season? Sam Howell, as a third-string quarterback, second-string quarterback, starting week 18, was the same guy. All, last, all, all, all offseason, being talked about as the starting quarterback, saw him in training camp first day, same dude. He has been the same dude from Jump Street. That's what De'Ami Brown. De'Ami said, you know what? When he's not the same guy, when you see a different look on his face, that's when you need to be worried. Uh, and I believe them. I'm going to believe them until I have a reason not to believe them. So week two, I'm not telling you week two, Sam Howell's going to complete 66% of his passes compared to 61 point something in week one. But the evidence is there that the more comfortable Sam Howell gets, the more time he gets into the system, the more confident he gets, the better he starts to play. So let's ease into this thing and, and we'll see what happens with Denver and then we'll go on from there. But I can give you some data points to talk about that might predict a little bit of what we'll see from the Washington Commanders, what we'll see from the Denver Broncos coming up in week two. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or you're scouting the waiver wire in your single draft league, every week we're going to provide you players that are a guaranteed fit for your roster. So 
Let's see who Vinny has picked for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. If you're looking for a sweet matchup to exploit for a big game at wide receiver in Week 2, turn to Los Angeles Chargers receiver Mike Williams. Williams was quiet and banged up in the run-heavy opener against Miami in Week 1, but he draws a beautiful spot against a Titans secondary, which struggled to handle any of the Saints receivers downfield, including Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed. Look for Justin Herbert to hit it on at least one big scoring play to Williams. Just make sure you keep an eye. This is my personal advice. Keep an eye on the injury reports leading up to the game because, like he said, Williams has been banged up. Of course, you could also look to Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins, who got eight targets but put up zero fantasy points in week one against the Browns' tough secondary and even tougher pass rush for Joe Burrow to throw against. But he gets a big shot to rebound big time against a much weaker Ravens secondary at home. The Texans had success throwing outside to their wideouts, and Higgins has a history of massive volume against Baltimore when healthy. Stick with Higgins in what should be a high-scoring affair as he make quick he makes quick amends opposite Jamar Chase. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, and they know the same thing goes for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride-or-die you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Again, for being a long time, commanders first listen or view today and every day. Every day, I greatly appreciate you for coming through. Locked on commanders insiders, I greatly appreciate you for signing up. We had a new one Wednesday morning. Fran, welcome to the group. Hope that you uh, enjoy the experience. If you do, stick around. If you don't, uh, I, I appreciate you for coming through anyway. Let's crunch some numbers from week one. Let's try to see how they can help us predict a little bit of what might, might happen. In week two. And again, as we get through the season, these numbers will become more impactful because it'll be more trend worthy, right? Week one is not a trend. Week one is not a pattern, but week one's all we got. You know what I mean? Starting on the defensive side of the ball, Washington's defense was a nickel 38 times out of 61 snaps on Sunday. 62% of the time they were in nickel. And after that, they were in base defense seven times, dime 16 times. So if you're counting, that's a sub package over 50 times and uh base package less than 10 times on Sunday. So base packages, not really your base packages anymore. Base packages are basically your sub packages uh, in today's NFL. All three of Washington's sacks on Sunday came while they were in dime coverage or a dime formation, I suppose I should say. And they held Arizona to just a 23% success rate on dime coverage pass plays, allowing 0.6 yards per play and just a 56% completion rate. So that talented secondary we we're talking about, that's super deep and super talented, uh, they stepped up. They stepped up against Arizona. Dime usually means more receivers, which means fewer blockers or additional blockers to help against pass rush, which lets guys like Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, uh, Jonathan Allen, James Smith-Williams get some more one-on-one type matchups, maybe the occasional blitz from a Cody Bartner, Jamin Davis. Uh, the commander's defense also had the most tackles for loss coming from their nickel package with six of the seven coming from that group and one tackle for loss coming from their base package uh, defense. However, they also allowed a 4.2 yards per rush average in nickel and a 5.3 yards per rush average in dime 
Again, however, diamond nickel typically means more receivers. And a lot of those scenarios are third and long scenarios where if a team runs, they're going to gain a good amount of yards because you're protecting the first down sticks. You're not protecting the short yardage, right? So that's a grain of salt to be taken there. Uh, when you look at that data, all in all, the commander's defense allowed just a 42% success rate on all run plays and 3.7 yards per carry for the game. Their best run defense came against man runs, but Arizona only ran one of those. So that number hugely skewed because they only did it one time. So you can't really measure a whole lot of success there, but they did run uh, Arizona. That is outside zone runs four times had no success as those run, those four carries resulted in just two yards total gained and two tackles for losses. So outside zone defense uh, was very strong. Ron Rivera talked about setting the edge and how valuable that was. And certainly the commander's defense was doing that with or without Chase Young on Sunday. What this means is that it's very likely that it's going to be difficult for Denver to get any outside zone runs going. Maybe they're going to look to rely on inside zones uh, to, to try to penetrate the Washington commander's defense. And they're going to try more man-based runs if their scheme, if their personnel uh, allow for it. In 11 possessions Sunday, Washington's defense had tackles for losses and or sacks because sometimes they had both. They had tackles for losses and sacks, but they had at least a tackle for loss or at least a sack on 10 of Arizona's 11 possessions in week one. And that kept Arizona off schedule all day long, and it helped Washington hold Arizona to a 28% success rate on third downs. So when you're getting TFLs and you're getting sacks on first and second downs, that makes third down really hard in the passing game. Washington gave up the most in the passing game when leaving the middle of the field open, which they did 20 times compared to 15 times when the middle field was closed. So open, no defender assigned to the exact middle of the field closed. There's a defender assigned to the middle of the field. Not every defensive formation has that uh, feature. Arizona took advantage of those reps that were open middle of the field coverages uh, produced a 101.6 quarterback rating while hitting just 74.1 on closed middle of the field looks in week one. Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson threw 34 passes to the intermediate part of the field, and a lot of those tend to come in the middle of the field. A lot of your deep passes are on the outside. A lot of your short passes are on the outside, uh, but a lot of your intermediate passes tend to be over the middle. So Russell Wilson, certainly a, a type of quarterback, and the Denver Broncos certainly have a type of offense that could try to exploit an open part, uh, open coverage if you leave the middle of the field open uh, in Washington's defense. So you know, something to, to chew on a little bit. So for Wilson, if he's seeing this, if he's seen the data, if he's seen the tape, he's probably going to want to target the middle of the field. Namely, he's going to target the linebackers, slot defenders that are facing in breaking routes with deep safety help uh, to try to find the most passing success this coming Sunday. Of course, this is based simply, and I do mean simply on one game's tendencies because one game, you can't really paint a whole picture of pattern. So we will continue to update these trends and tendencies as the season continues. Uh, and an NFL pro scouting department has already looked at like two or three years worth of film, tape, and data. And I'm one dude, and I've got a lot going on, so I cannot break down as much as an NFL pro scouting department can. If I could, I would be working for an NFL pro scouting department. But based on what we saw in week one, those are the tendencies we're seeing from the Washington Commanders defense. And so those are the tendencies that the Denver Broncos are seeing just from week one uh, from the uh, Washington Commanders defense. What about the offensive tendencies? We're going to get into those coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by the fact that you should never be caught unprepared, and Jace Medical is here to help you make sure you have five life-saving antibiotics on hand for emergency use if ever you should need them. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of Jace Medical's certified board 
or board certified physicians. It's doctor created. It's doctor recommended. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, whether it's natural disasters, pandemics, travel, or any other uncontrollable environments you may find yourself in. You need to be ready with your available medications. One Jace case user named Frank said, quote, easy as one, two, three. And just in time, I received our package the same day I got a sinus infection and my doctor was out of town. No appointment for days. Thank goodness it arrived. End quote. The Jace case or with storms, shortage, pandemics, reliance on China and supply chain issues. We need to be prepared now more than ever. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in emergency. Jace Medical Make sure you have the medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Today's episode of Locked On Commander is also brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports DFS because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and then watch the winnings roll on in. Prize picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. This week on Prize Picks, I'm taking Giants running back Saquon Barkley to go for more than 60 yards. And I'm taking Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes to throw for more. Then two passing touchdowns. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks also now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the code locked on NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code locked on NFL. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we talked about the initial practice report for the week. Uh, we talked about Sam Howell talking about development. We talked about defensive tendencies, and now we're going to talk about offensive tendencies. Something I've wanted to look at, uh, you know, coming into the regular season is play calling tendencies on first downs. In week one, assistant head coach, offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy called 19 pass plays on first and ten, compared to 11 run plays on first and ten. That's all the first and tens. Uh, all 30 of them that the Washington Commanders had on Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. At the end of the day, there is no magical balance. Like some people are going to want to say, if you got 30, 30 first and 10 plays, should be 15 runs, 15 passes. But the truth is, really, at the end of the day, does it work? You know what I mean? If you go 30 passes, as long as you win, it was a success, right? Well, 19 of the pass plays that the team found success on, uh, or ni- of the 19 pass plays, sorry, the team found success on just 63% of them. But they also had success running on their running plays just 37% of the time on their first and 10 runs. So again, 63% of the pass plays on first and 10 met with some success. 37% of the running plays met with some success. So obviously more success passing on first down than running on first down. But bottom line is Washington faced second and seven or more 16 times following a first and 10 play call. And uh, they fumbled on one first and 10, meaning there was no second down uh, play for that one, right? So that in reality, 17 times on first and 10 on Sunday in week one, the commander's offense produced a result that kept them behind schedule, right? Because second and seven or more, you only gain three yards. If you don't gain more than three yards per play, you don't get a first down. Three, six, nine, third, you're, you're facing fourth and one, right? So that's pretty much 
the simplistic way to say it. So 17 times the commanders ran a first and 10 play pass or run. They did not get uh, more than three yards or even three yards. Sometimes that's 57%, 57% of the time, the Washington commanders were behind schedule when it came to second down because of their first down play result uh, being off schedule. Now that's not a good thing when you're starting a very young quarterback with just two games of starting real game experience under his belt now. Uh, and when the elements are not in your favor, you got to do better as a unit, right? The good news here is that Washington's offense was successful in 60% of their second and seven to nine yard pass plays following a first down run. And they were successful in 67% of their second and seven to nine pass plays following a first down pass. So when the Washington commanders passed on first down and didn't get more than three yards, they were successful in 67% of their play calls that were passes after that first pass. When they called a pass play on second and seven to nine on a second down following a first down run that didn't gain more than three yards, they were successful in 60%. So pretty good passing on second downs uh, from seven, second and seven to second and nine. Furthermore, when Washington passed on second and 10 or more on second downs, so they did that seven times. So seven times the commanders faced second and 10 or more and they passed the ball seven times in that situation. They were successful on all of them and even converted for first downs on three of those. They also kicked a field goal on one of those. So really, four of those were successful. If you take that field goal one off, you've got three of six, so a 50% conversion rate. So you're not talking about success rates. Now you're talking about 50% conversion rate from second and 10 or more uh, when you take the field goal off. So what does that mean? Well, it means that Washington passing on second down is pretty good. The problem is Denver has these numbers too. So I think Denver is probably going to anticipate a good amount of passing on second downs, uh, especially second and seven to nine, second and 10 plus. Um, so just, but interesting data. So basically it means we want to see the Washington Mayors throwing on second downs. Uh, you just also have to understand that again, like I said, the Broncos have this data uh, as well. So we'll see what happens with it in week two. Again, this is a, a can, we'll continue to collect data as we go. Um, outside of empty sets, which are pretty much always a pass play, right? No backs, nobody in the backfield with the quarterback. Usually it's a pass play. Washington was fairly balanced in their play call. Uh, there was a 42 to 58% run pass split when in two by two sets. That's two players, two skill players on one side, two skill players on the other side, 47 to 53% split in three by one sets and 44 to 56% splits in one back sets. Uh, we talked about Antonio Gibson being used as a receiver more, but in week one, every time he lined up as a receiver, Washington passed the ball. So maybe let's see a little bit of a mix up in that in week two. I'm hoping to see more motion in week two as well in week one. We only got motion on 37 of the team's 71 plays. That's 52%. I was hoping for at least 60 to 66%. That's just personal preference. It's not a critique. In the running game, Washington had more success in 11 personnel than 12 personnel, likely because 12 personnel also lets the defense stack the box, and that makes the offensive line need to block the first and second level, not just the first level. However, we don't want to see Washington go with no tight ends either because when they did that three times against the Arizona Cardinals, it resulted in two tackles for loss and a negative 0.3 yards per carry average. So right now, 11 personnel seems to be the sweet spot. Running with uh, running was more fruitful to the left side of the offensive line on Sunday than the right. In fact, right side runs to the hash, so to the edge, actually only gained 1.8 yards per carry and resulted in two tackles for losses. We're talking about Andrew Wiley over there or a tight end if there was a tight end in run blocking. Uh, help for that. Most of Washington's week one carries came in inside zone runs, counters, man runs, and outside zones came in second with three plays each. Uh, and something else that I found surprising, the commander's offense only executed three screen plays 
all day long. Certainly expected more of those in week one, and I will continue to expect more of those in week two against the Denver Broncos. Coming up tomorrow, Locked On Broncos host Sayre Bettinger is here with me for Crossover Thursday. In the meantime, if you got questions or comments, throw them in the YouTube comments, hit me on Twitter, or become a Locked On Commanders insider by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And for every dares, I greatly appreciate you and your continued support of the program. My Lock Insiders greatly appreciate you for hanging out with me via text message all day long. And I will be texting you during practice, before practice, during press conferences again on Thursday. Thanks so much to everybody for making me part of your day, part of your routine. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.